Welcome to the First Transition Podcast. In this episode, I have an intriguing conversation with Shalise Ansola. She's an actress, a model, an ex-Mormon, an Instagram influencer, and soon to be a published author. Uh, you can find out more about her upcoming book on her website. Um, her book will be called The Purple Eye. She reveres medicinal plants, and we talk about her experience with parallel worlds. Shalise helps us understand her experience when she let the plants show her what more she could access. Uh, we talk about encounter with aliens, answers to life questions. Keep listening. It does get weird and super interesting. I absolutely loved having this open discussion where no topics is off the table. So if you have little ones around, I suggest you put some headphones on or wait until they're not around because we do go into adult conversations. So I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. And uh, you'll have more details in the notes um, if you want to find out more about Chalice and all that she's up to. So Shalise and welcome to the Face Transition Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on and I'm really grateful that you were so spontaneous <laughs> <laughs> to come. Like I wasn't even expecting you to say yes when I connected with you. So for our audience, uh, I just want to tell them quickly how I found you. So I just watched this super cool documentary called fantastic friend guy <laughs> is that how you say it yeah <laughs> french is my native language just so you know so after watching that documentary i started digging a little bit you know about mushrooms and I, i became very curious and then i had a discussion about a week prior with a friend who had done it and then he tagged me on a post on facebook and on that post someone mentions mormons and mushrooms And then I decided to go look and I listened to the first episode and Shalene was on that first episode and her story was completely mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I need to talk to her. Well, thank I need you to so talk much to her. For, so that's, for having me. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we're together now. So I'll just let you introduce yourself a little bit, say who you are, um, maybe a little bit your connection with, you know, the Mormon church because it's a face transition podcast, um, but we're not going to really focus on that. We're going to focus on uh, where you are on your journey. So go ahead. Okay, sure. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. This podcast is definitely a good illustration of my story. So I'm glad that I'm here. I was born and raised in Utah in a small town called Tree Mountain, uh, which is pretty much the last stop before Idaho. So most people are like, oh yeah, I've gotten gas there. And that's usually the end of it. <laughs> so I come from a long line of Mormons, like my great, 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 I don't know how many greats grandma was the first woman to be baptized in England. So pretty much both of my parents' ancestors were like the OG Mormons. And um, I moved to Portland my senior year of high school. That's when people started asking me questions that I didn't know the answers to and was like, oh, I don't know. I'll just put this on the back burner. Like they don't know what they're talking about kind of thing. 
And then I moved to Vegas for college and that's where I was going to get my fashion design degree. That's when <laughs> it's funny because the reason I transitioned out of Mormonism was because I was being pressured so heavily by my bishop, by him saying I wasn't spiritual enough. And I was determined to prove him wrong by researching and like making sure that all of this was for a good reason, because he was just laying on the guilt and the shame so heavy. And I was such a good Mormon. Like I was 20 years old. I had been dating someone for a year, but I was still a virgin and we barely slip up. And all of a sudden I'm not spiritual enough is what he said. He had my boyfriend break up with me. It was just so depressing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can imagine, like, I just felt so worthless. And I Mm -hmm. remember thinking this better be the one true church or all of this is for nothing. And it just, it led me to the internet and I was like, all right, it should not be difficult to prove that this is the one true religion and that everything they say is true and quickly figured out after an all nighter of going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole that 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 just wasn't the case. And I, it really didn't take very much for me to leave. I think the main thing was the book of Abraham. When I realized that was just completely made up, I was like, oh yeah, I'm set. Like I can leave and be totally fine. And honestly, it was a big relief for me because that meant I could finally be myself. I'm going Mm. to school for fashion design, but there's all these restrictions on modesty. Right. Right. Which was good. That was going to make it really hard for you. you. You went to London for a while, for a little bit there. I did. And that was when I really decided to leave. So like it was perfect mm. because I had all of those reservations. I found out all that information, went to the second counselor with like this binder. That's me. Like the A student in me is like, I've highlighted all the things that are wrong. <laughs> you need to tell me that this isn't true. And they couldn't answer any of my questions. And then I went and did a study abroad in London right. and just never went back to church. I was like, cool. I'm away from it. There's no one from the ward asking where I am. Yes. And then two weeks after moving home from London, I moved to California. So it was like mm-hmm. a really clean break for me to just leave and mm-hmm. never come back. Yeah. So what about what about your family though? Like were they were they not wondering like what was happening or well I moved to Vegas by myself. So there was no one really keeping tabs. And also my brothers were never really interested in the church. Growing up, it was kind of on and off. They would go because my mom wanted them to, but they were never really that involved. I was the one that was really, really invested in the church. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me laugh <laughs> thinking of the phone call that my parents gave to me. They, they called me on a conference call and they're like, we have something to tell you we aren't really going to church anymore and we took off our garments but if you want to get married in the temple we'll do whatever it takes like we don't want you to feel like we're leaving you behind and i'm like oh no you're good like i bounced like a while ago (laughs) like that was me that that i was the kid where they were more worried about my opinion because i was so involved that they were willing Mm -hmm. to like I don't know, be righteous in order to get a temple recommend to go to a wedding they thought I would be having sometime soon. And so it was actually a really- So you never told them, like you never told them about transitioning out or anything like that? I, and I wonder why I didn't, because I'm really close with my mom and I 
I don't know, maybe I dropped some hints here and there, but she actually came to me asking because she said that I did plant some seeds. So I must have said something to her and that made her start looking. Oh, wow. Her mom had left the church prior and she was really quiet about it too, because she didn't want to cause friction in our family. And right. Once I knew my grandma had left, I'm like, Grams, we need to talk. <laughs> and she just goes on and on because she was heavily involved, like did all the things. She left a little bit before you, your grandmother, she a long time. years before. Oh, wow. But nobody really knew. Even when my mom went to her and said, you need to tell me everything that you know, my grandma was like, no, you need to figure it out for yourself. Like yeah. that's your journey. Wow. And so, um, yeah, so she was really good about that. Um, and now like we all talk about it and stuff. So yeah, immediate families out extended family, not so much. I'm like the sinner that lives in Hollywood and does crazy things. Um, but you know, <laughs> what it is. yeah. So basically, I mean, it's kind of neat that you kind of freed yourself and then were able to just be on your own journey, you know, without a lot of drama. I don't know if you had like any excruciating pain of leaving and, you know, shedding that skin. Yeah. Um, it was definitely difficult because there's so much identity that's wrapped up in being Mormon. I think mm-hmm. more so than most religions. I feel like, mm-hmm. and this is, this is just an outsider opinion because I don't have firsthand experience, but from what I've observed Mormonism is such a high demand religion that it encapsulates your entire life. And where other religions, you just go on Sundays and it's just like, you just go to church. Yeah. But Mormonism is so much about a lifestyle and a community that mm-hmm. it just rips everything apart when you leave. I mean, if I would have left before I moved, it would have been difficult because all of my friends were Mormon. There was a right. huge, huge Mormon community in Vegas. There's actually more I don't know if it's still the same, but when I lived there, there was more LDS people in Vegas than there were in Utah, like a huge Mm -hmm. community there. And it was fun. Like we, we all had a great time together and I made a lot of really great friends. So I think it would have been a lot more difficult had I had left the church before I moved. Cause once I moved, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to see them anyway. Like it doesn't really matter. And I will say though, I did, I did go to the California ward for maybe like two months, just because I wanted to meet friends. Right. Oh my gosh. Sitting in that classroom, knowing what I knew and taking my (laughs) blood was boiling. Like I wanted to stand up and yell at everybody. Like, don't you see? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, I know the feeling. I think we, we all, I mean, you know, people who've left and kind of go on the same route route like it's so crazy the difference and all it took is a shift in perspective because I yes. never realized anything was off until yeah. I left and had a completely different view it literally felt like I took off these religion goggles and yeah. all of a sudden I saw all of the problems with the church yeah. and I could not sit there even though I knew not a single person in California, I didn't care. I was like, I can't even be friends with these people. Not that they're bad people, but they just yeah. still had the goggles on and they just right. didn't get it. Some people find such a comfort in not having to change anything about their lives yes. that yeah. the thought of uprooting everything is too painful. Oh, it's scary. They can't, it's scary. They can't yeah. do it. They and- would much rather live in, I don't want to say ignorance because that has a very negative connotation, but they'd rather yes. be- Not broke the boat and- 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, maybe for certain people, it may not be worth it because it's like, where do you go from there? You know, what I'm mostly interested in is your transition to your new set of spirituality. And um, because it appears to me that you never, uh, maybe, I don't know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you never let go the idea of a supreme being or a God or it just morphed into something else? Or did you have a time where you became like, let's say agnostic or atheist, and then you discovered this new spirituality and, and when that route, like how did, how did that transition went? Cause that's what I'm most interested in. Not that the rest doesn't matter, but that's <laughs> to me, that's exciting. Like how people evolve and what they choose for themselves. So I never lost the faith in, like a supreme being, like an omnipotent force that created everything. And I think the reason for that is because I always had spiritual experiences as a kid, like ghost stories, angel visitations, whatever it was, like I was always very connected to the other side in one way, shape or form. So Wait, let I, me stop you for a second. Sorry. Do you, are you saying you were interested in those stories? Or are you saying you had these experience where you saw ghosts or you, you know, you were connecting with the spirits? Cause yeah, like I, I want to know. I actually had the experience. Okay. Um, I was the one that would tell the ghost stories at all of the sleepovers. They're like, please tell your ghost stories. And I kind of just thought that everyone had those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just always very connected to the other side. And so I could never be the person that says, well, it's just black after you die, because I just knew that wasn't the case because mm. I had had those experiences. And so I knew, well, if there's an afterlife, then there's got to be some sort of being that created all of us as spirits. And I was um, always very interested in reading books about ghosts like James von Prague. It was some, he's one of my favorite authors still. And he's brilliant. And when you read a story of his, not a story, but one of his books about ghosts, you end up learning like all of these things about the afterlife and dimensions and like all of this stuff that you had no idea existed. And so that's what really kind of gave me a foundation to my spirituality because I knew- And it rang through to you. It wasn't like, oh, this is all made up. Well, it's, it wasn't the comfort. It, it made me feel like I was on the right track. And so- that was one of the reasons it was difficult for me to leave Mormonism because I thought, well, I don't understand. I've had so many spiritual experiences in the church. Mm -hmm. How could it possibly not be true? And then once I realized that spiritual experiences are not governed or monopolized by religion, absolutely made sense to me. And so whether you are flipping through your scriptures to get inspiration, whether you're meditating, whether you're using angel cards or just like, having a conversation with someone and they happen to say the exact right thing. It's all the same thing. It's just tapping yeah. into your intuition and finding the answers that your higher self or your guides is trying to give you. Yeah. I, that makes sense. Yeah, It all just kind of made sense to me because it aligned with all of my experiences that I had been mm-hmm. having. Mm-hmm. And my mom, right around the time that I was leaving, maybe a little bit before my mom had introduced me to crystals because she was exposed to people once we moved to Oregon, people who did energy work and she was working with people and then those that had crystals and working with crystals. And so she started getting me into that. And then she gave me some angel cards, which they're not tarot. They're just like Oracle guidance cards, um, really basic, but 
I started using them a lot to help me get through hard times in life. Like when I didn't know which direction to go or what to do, I would turn to these cards for guidance and it was really, really helpful. And so I felt was like- it great. I want to know, cause I've heard about it. I've seen people do it. I've never really dug into it, but like when you say it was helping me, like in what way, like you would do like a set of cards and then you would pick the right card, like telling you which way to go, what decision to make or how does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, there's different opinions on the cards. Some people say that some people stay away from them completely because they feel like there's some negative energy with it. I didn't feel that way. It felt like I was connecting to my spirit guides or my higher self, my own intuition, And basically I would just shuffle the cards and a few would just kind of pop out of the deck on their own. And then I'd flip them over and it would just be the exact message that I needed to hear to know which direction to go in life. So for example, one of the cards would say, let go. And it's a photo or like a painting of a woman riding a horse out of a dark forest. And then it gives you the additional meanings. Like it could be interpreted this way, or these are some other things it could mean. And it would really just kind of speak to your own situation. Mm-hmm. And um, like I can't tell you the amount of times I used those cards when I was going through a breakup, or even when I was making sure that I shouldn't be engaged to someone anymore. I kept pulling these cards. It was like, time to let go, time to let go, new relationship. And I'm like, I hear you. Okay, I get it. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. But isn't it a bit like when we used to be a member and then you open the scripture and it's like, oh my gosh, that is such the perfect scripture for my situation now. Like, Isn't it a bit the same kind of thing? No, it's so funny that you say that because I was that person. I did that all the time. In fact, I was too. (laughs) And I'm like, you can interpret anything the way you want. I mean, your mind's going to tell you what it wants to hear. But that's the point, though. The point Mm -hmm. is tapping into your intuition. And Mm -hmm. if a message or whatever it is, like if you are walking down the street and you see a dog and you're like, oh, man, that's the exact dog I had when I was young. And it reminds me of this. And yeah, I should get a dog. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter because it's just tapping you into your intuition. So Mm -hmm. I did that when I was deciding if I should move to Portland or not. My family was like, let's go. And I was like, are you crazy? I'm going to be a senior next year. Why would Mm -hmm. I do that? So me being the spiritual person that I was turned to my scriptures, every single one that I would randomly open and point to was telling me to go. And so so it gave you comfort. I I don't want to make like blanket statements here, but like if I, if I had someone do like my cards and then it's like, oh, you know, death is coming. Well, yeah, it is like, uh, we're all going to die. Right. (laughs) But, but then you like, you would be obsessed with it. You know, you'd be obsessed with death because the card said that death is coming, you know, something like that. I don't know if it's healthy always. It's a good point because there's a fine line between putting the power in your own hands by yourself interpreting messages and putting Mm -hmm. your power in a tarot reader's hands or an energy worker's hands or Mm -hmm. a bishop's hands. There's so many different ways that we can give away our power, but that's true. If they give you a message if it doesn't resonate, then don't hang on to it. And also don't Mm -hmm. take it as scripture and don't take it as the word because also our lives can change at any given moment. There are trillions and trillions of realities that could happen determined by our decisions in any given time and everyone else's decisions. So even if they were to tell you the future, chances Mm -hmm. are there are like the actual chance of that happening 
with all of the stars aligning in that exact path to make that happen are very slim. Mm -hmm. So you can always use it as inspiration or, oh, okay, maybe I'm supposed to go that direction, but nothing is set in stone. Right. Unless, unless you're in a prescribed path and then you receive a patriarchal blessing. (laughs) And of course you're going to go and do all of that. Well, wasn't that what I was supposed to do anyways, you know, that's that's my gripe. (laughs) That's my gripe with religion is they monopolize spiritual experiences Mm -hmm. and they tell you what's going to happen to the point where you don't question it because yes. And then you walk that one path that is prescribed yeah yeah and so with spirituality it just puts the power back into your own hands and makes you realize that you're the one with the power you had the intuition all along all the times you felt the spirit were the times that you were having actual spiritual experiences with yourself and with god the creator what whoever you want to call it Mm-hmm. that's when you were really in tune. It had nothing to do with the religion that you were in. Everyone in every religion has spiritual experiences. So you can't True. claim. Or, no, or out of religion, like just right. humans. Right. As humans, exactly. we have those, those experience of connecting with ourselves, the world, the people around us, you know, nature and whatnot. Today, I just like to use, you know, the word connection because it's, it's beyond religion. It's beyond everything else. It's, it just is. Like connectivity, it just is. Well, because we we get these trigger words from religion, and Mm -hmm. there is such thing as a PTSD (laughs) from religion. Even the word God was triggering for such a long time, and Mm -hmm. really, like I didn't even connect back with God until like maybe a year ago, and I I Mm -hmm. didn't like using that word because it really bothered me, and it made me think of some big white dude with a beard sitting on a throne saying you go to heaven you go to hell like oh you shouldn't have drank that coffee like all that stupid stuff that we were taught and and now I have such a different opinion of God and and how it works and I don't even like to call like he she because I don't think it has a gender right so what changed that what changed that what what helped you make that transition between not liking the word and not using it. I think it's just, it's just been time and a shift in perspective and plant medicine has helped with that. Um, mm-hmm. And also sometimes it's just easier to say God than the universe. Cause I don't, while I don't picture God as like a human form, I also don't picture it as like a supernova galaxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know. Like there's really not even a word, maybe source yeah. is the best word. Yeah. That's I like that. I like source, the source. Yeah. Yeah. And just like an all I'm gonna dub that one. <laughs> yeah. And love, I think, mm-hmm. are what God is. And so I mean it is tricky because especially in Christian religions, they kind of monopolize the word God as like this person who is almighty and judges you, but is merciful, but causes destruction. Yeah. It's, 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 yes, it's, it's completely confusing. <laughs> yeah. When 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 the source, just like he says, in my opinion as well, is just love and pure love and pure connectivity, yes. period. Nothing else. Not, yes. Everything else is made up by man. Mm-hmm. Uh, what really is the root and the source, I like that word, is, is the love. If we don't have it, if we don't, if we don't feel it, if we don't give it, receive it, something is always going to be missing. Okay, so from there, you mentioned, you know, the plants helped you. Yes. So the med- medicinal plants, which one? Okay, so I need to back up a little bit for this to make more sense. So I left the Mormon church about 10 years ago, 
And about three years ago, actually through this like really interesting turn of events, which you could say were completely synchronistic and on purpose by the universe or source or God, um, I ended up uncovering memories, repressed memories or blocked memories of childhood sexual abuse. And Mm -hmm. it just like sent me down into this spiral and this dark place because I was 27, I think I was 27 years old. I had been having horrific nightmares about my abuser for seven years Mm. and they were so bad that I would just wake up bawling and so confused. I had no idea why I was having these nightmares about this person who is in our family and very close to me. And, Mm. um, so through this like long, crazy approach, I ended up doing uh, regression hypnosis Mm-hmm. And uncovered a bunch of these memories, uh, confronted the person, and he basically admitted to some of the things that I had seen. Mm-hmm. So it really just like sent me off the edge. Like, what do I do with this information? On one hand, it was a relief to know that all of these nightmares weren't just coming from my own twisted brain, that mm-hmm. they were actually breadcrumbs leading me to uncover this myself. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I'm like, well, what do I do with this now? What do I do with this information? This is a lot to take in. And so I really just suppressed it for a year, like a solid year. I'm just like, mm, I'm just going to put that out of my mind I'm yeah. over here. And the abuse can yeah. live way over there. And yeah. I threw myself into my work. I'm an actor and a wardrobe mm-hmm. um, stylist and designer. And so I just got a whole bunch of work. I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then exactly a year later, I was like, hmm, I'm not fine. And mm-hmm. so I basically opened myself up energetically, I guess you could say. I'm like, I'm ready to start healing from this. I need to find Did, you, did you see that? Um, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Did you see- fact that you weren't dealing with it it was sipping through different ways did you find that it would resurface in other ways that you you were like finally I gotta deal with this in order to be more whole right I do think that it was playing out in a lot of toxic relationships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which I had also noticed looking back it makes a lot of sense my abuse coupled with this toxic religious authority type of thing in my life was playing out in really toxic relationships with men who Mm -hmm. either didn't really care about me or they would make me feel like they loved me and I was their everything, but they were so bad and so wrong for me and so abusive Mm -hmm. in that way, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. never physically abusive, but very mentally and emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Um, I don't think that was the reason that led me to plant medicine because I didn't realize it at the time. Um, But yeah, I just decided, okay, I'm ready to get help now. And I started looking up therapists, but all of a sudden these healers just dropped into my life, like as if by magic, Um, Mm. this energy worker, I just randomly met because I took a scuba class with this girl that recommended her. I was like, how are all these people just coming up? And like this massage therapist who also does Reiki and he ended, he gave me these crazy, amazing messages that the other energy worker had just told me that I didn't believe until he said it and was like, Whoa. Mm -hmm. And then I was watching this um, documentary also totally by chance called psychedelica on Gaia. And Mm -hmm. 
what popped up was uh, it was an episode on ayahuasca. And Mm -hmm. just to paint you the picture, at this point, I had been about eight years out of the church and I was still very, very, very hesitant towards what I would call drugs, which now Mm -hmm. I call plant medicine because it was just so ingrained in my head that drugs are bad and they'll kill you and they're up Satan, even though I'm like, do I even believe in Satan anymore? I don't know. Yes. But Mm -hmm. I was so, um, I was so stuck in my ways of this is wrong. And then all of a sudden I was interested. Like I had been, you put, you put everything in the same bag too. Like when you say drugs, because you, at that point, whether yeah. it's plant medicine or drugs, like it's all yeah. the same, which um, it's, I think it's important to make the distinction and you can yes. first, cause I'm not the knowledgeable one here. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> but I think, so I think for our audience, it's, it's going to be good to separate the two because they yeah. are those dangerous ones that, you know, don't get there and don't become addicted. And there are the plants which are non-addictive and, and can really help, you know, uh, heal and unlock certain things. So, so if you want to, you know, tell your story and then go kind of help us understand better the distinction here. I mean, you have the drugs like cocaine and heroin that people and meth, they're like, yeah, that's a drug and people get addicted and they can die from that. And they're horrible for your body. And then you have on the other hand, plant medicine, which would be mushrooms and, San Pedro and ayahuasca and things that come directly from the earth and things that have been used in ancient ceremonies and indigenous tribes around the world for thousands of years. And Mm -hmm. even in that category is cannabis and tobacco, which are extremely overused. And I would say abused in Mm -hmm. modern culture. But if you're, if you use them correctly, they can be a very spiritual tool. Um, Mm -hmm. Tobacco is often coupled with ayahuasca because they, uh, the plants are very compatible and they actually enhance the effects of one another. So even when I went to, um, Peru and I saw them smoking tobacco and they're offering me some, I'm like, I can't do that. That's like smoking a cigarette, but it's nothing like smoking a cigarette. There's no nicotine or any of the chemicals in there at all. It's literally Mm -hmm. just tobacco, the plant. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm watching this documentary on ayahuasca and I'm like, what is it about this ayahuasca? I've been hearing it from like all these different people. It just kept coming up in conversations around me that I wasn't even a part of. And I'm just kind of perking up and like, "Hmm, this is so interesting. And so I'm watching this documentary and it's talking about the, the plant, which is a vine and a leaf that are found at opposite ends of the Amazon jungle. And Mm -hmm. somehow these indigenous people knew to put the two together, make this tea that you have to do in such a very specific way. It takes hours, like eight to 10 hours to make this tea. And somehow with that combination, it can help heal your body. You can have these out-of-body experiences. You can have deep healing. And traditionally, only the shamans would take it, which allowed them to be in a sort of state where they can scan their patient's body, see what's wrong. And they would sing what are called Icaros, which -hmm. are these beautiful songs, these melodies. And through the music, it penetrates the body and heals the patient. So they've been Mm -hmm. doing that for thousands of years. The past, I I don't know, maybe like 50 years or recently, um, they've had an influx of Westerners who come to the jungle who want to experience the medicine themselves. They're like, that's cool that you can do it, but I want to have my own experience. And so we've kind of infiltrated the culture and inserted ourselves into that experience. And 
so people can have their own kind of journey with the plant medicine. So I'm watching this and I'm like, that looks really cool. Like maybe that's something that I could do. And as I'm watching, I remember this casting that I had submitted myself to had nothing to do with ayahuasca, but it just popped into my head. And um, as an actor, you submit yourself to a role and there's like thousands of people who submit, they pick their favorites and that's how you get an audition. And then you can Mm -hmm. book something. So I submitted and I didn't hear back. And so I went and looked at the casting again and what it was, they were looking for someone who would go on a retreat to Peru for three weeks. And it said, looking for someone who likes to do yoga and breath work and flower baths. I'm like, yes, sign me up. That sounds amazing. And, um, and when I clicked on it, it was taken down. I was like, no, that means they must've already held auditions. But I saw uh, in the description, it was called Arcana. And I was like, I wonder if I type that in, maybe that's like the casting company. I typed mm-hmm. it in and what comes up Arcana Ayahuasca Spiritual Retreat Center in mm-hmm. Peru. And my mind was blown. I was just like, how on earth is this a thing? Like I was just like, it was paused on my TV, the ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, it's, okay, it's, it's calling you. It's calling me. And so I looked it up. I looked at the prices. I'm like, oh man, I'm so poor. They're like, there's no way I can go on a retreat here. And then I said to the universe, I was like, okay, we got to figure this out. I need to figure out a way to make enough money to go here. Like I missed the casting, but I need to go. And so, mm-hmm. and so I was sitting there and the idea came to me, well, why not just reach out to the center directly? Like you have yeah. a wild story. You have all of yeah. this abuse that you just uncovered. You're trying to get through. Maybe they'll yeah. be interested. So yeah. I email them directly. And the next day I get a phone call and he's like, Hey, so I'm the casting director for Arcana. And I was like, no way. I was losing my mind. I was Mm -hmm. in the gym and I was like trying not to scream and everyone's staring at me like I'm a crazy person. And he was like, let's meet for coffee tomorrow. So we met and four days later, I was on a plane to go to Peru. I had booked the job, which means not Mm -hmm. only did I not have to pay for anything, I was getting paid to go on this retreat. That's amazing. It was was so wild because I had just opened myself up to the idea of plant medicine. I had just said, okay, I know that you're not of the devil. And I know that there's a lot of healing that can happen with you. I'm ready. And then there it was like right in my face. It's pretty amazing that, you know, you went with your intuition and I I would encourage our listeners to go to uh, Mormons on Mushroom and and hear the, you know, uh, the whole story story there um yes that's where that's where I found you and and I was completely enthralled and you know super fascinated and so so we're gonna skip a few parts because I'm gonna send them to listen to the whole thing there and as I was listening to your story and you were telling you know it's like a 15 days you know and you you tell the whole story in a few episodes if if I understand correctly part one and part two (laughs) yes and so what I am interested to know uh, that I haven't heard, and maybe I, I need to go back and listen to uh, to episode two, but of the whole experience, um, what would you say is, what did you take out of it the most? So there is a beginning, kind of a middle and the end, like how different were you 
after you've done the whole thing, you know, and what caused it? If you, I know it's hard to summarize and they will need to go back and listen to the, to the three, but if you just had, you know, just a little time that we have, and mm. if you could explain, you went with a purpose, if I understand correctly, when you went, you wanted to heal from this trauma that you had uh, of abuse, but then you also say that was such a small part of what I received. Mm -hmm. And so what more, if I can say, did you receive and how? Mm -hmm. So I think the overall message was, and I, and I don't want to minimize anyone's experience at mm -hmm. all, but the message that I was getting is stop putting so much weight on this negative or perceived negative part of your story. I mm -hmm. went there because I'm like, I'm so messed up and I have all this trauma and I'm, it's probably killing me and this and that. And when I finally got in touch with the medicine, she was like almost annoyed with me that I was so invested in healing this part of me because it was almost like it's, it's already done. Like, let's move on. Mm -hmm. And she did give me the satisfaction of Uh, like a few visions of, for example, I saw my womb in this green light with a perfect little baby. And it was just telling me, mm. you're still okay. You can still have children. Your womanhood is not destroyed. You are still whole. You are still valuable mm. and worthy. And that was probably the biggest thing for me because it was such a violation to know what had happened to me. All of a sudden mm. I felt like I was broken. Like, mm. I mean, sexual violation is so betraying and it feels like such a violation of your soul and just everything. And so mm -hmm. quickly she went through it and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, like, it's fine. You're good. Now let's talk about why you're really here. <laughs> and yeah. she totally shifted it. And I mean, that was the second ceremony. We ended up doing seven over two weeks. And so after ceremony two, I was like, Well, now what do I ask for? Because I thought that I was going to be in the trenches this entire two weeks, just digging and in the dirt and yeah. let's just show me everything. I'm ready to go to hell and back. And it was so brief. She was just mm. like, yeah, like you're here for that. But what you're really here for are all these messages that I have to give you things like you need to um, write a book. That's where she told me I need to write a book in my fifth ceremony. She told me what the name would be, which was relevant to my first ceremony. Um, she told me that I needed to, um, needed to learn how to paint my visions. And I'm like, I don't have visions. And then later on, I was like, oh, these are the visions. She's talking about. <laughs> wow. Um, I went to like all of these different planets and saw aliens. And I realized that I wasn't my body, that it's just a, big fat skin suit that it is necessary for me to experience all of these human things on earth. And I really, so when you say I saw aliens, you mean like you saw beings that weren't humans that lived in a different in sphere, a different galaxy, like a literal alien dude that was just chilling. And I infiltrated his world and he looked over at me like, what are you doing here? And I was like, ah, and then I like dropped out because I was so scared. Wait, so you can <laughs> describe what that looked like? I mean, I know it's all under the influence in, in a good way, right? <laughs> like yeah, ayahuasca, um, but like, do you remember what it looked like? Like what yeah. he or it? I don't know. I remember <laughs> I'm intrigued. Being, I remember it being fairly short 
but of course, like there was no scale around it. It was like this empty void looking thing. And he was kind of standing in a podium stringing together what looked to be some sort of skull, which I, it, the skull thing didn't scare me. What scared me mm. is when he turned and looked at me and like we made eye contact and I was like, ah, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> I like, went away, which is so it, it had it had like a, a head and arms and oh, legs. Yeah. And- yeah, so had, it looked like a regular body and it was kind of like an oblong head. It it was almost like the typical joke alien that you see on TV shows with like not the totally um almond shaped head, but like an oblong head and eyes yes. that were bigger than usual, but not enormous. Right. Um and he wasn't actually wearing any clothes, he was just kind of like doing his thing, naked, I guess. <laughs> That is so funny. And I do, I do have to wonder, and this is why, I mean, I know I'm going to do it at some point, but I do have to wonder if also the brain feeds you what you already know, you know, like pulls from, from images or things, you know, maybe, maybe mush together, but you know what I mean? Like it wasn't completely like something you hadn't seen before, but it was alive. But here's my, here's my, this is my skepticism speaking. No, I get it. I was skeptical. Okay. So (laughs) I was so high up in space and I talked about this in the episode. Like I was jumping from galaxy to galaxy, things that I hadn't seen before. We're talking like neon planets that were like bright purple and pink and swirly and crazy. Mm. And when I'm in like these galaxies, I feel these like little feet coming onto my mat, which is not normal. In ayahuasca ceremonies, you're not supposed to touch each other because even just touching someone could like mix the energy throw them and send yeah. you off into like weird places. Right. And so I'm like, who's coming onto my mat? My eyes are closed at this point. Mm-hmm. And I feel these hands on my head and this smoke starts getting blown on my head. And I was like, oh, that's Maestra Justina, which was the main shaman there and she's like mm-hmm. uh, this little old woman she's got to be like 80 something years old and just doesn't speak a word of English and just so sweet mm-hmm. and so I'm like why is she over here because they never come to you like the right. will come to you but the shamans stay away they sing their ikaros and like have their own thing yeah. so the next day we come in for share circle and I sit down And one of the other shamans points at me and starts laughing and he can't speak English either. And he starts covering his eyes, like making fun of me because I was covering my eyes the whole ceremony because it, it dropped me deeper into my planetary state or wherever I was. And so he's like laughing his toothless smile. He literally has no front teeth and he's like nudging his wife, who is Maestra Justina, and she's kind of laughing too. So by the time it gets to my turn, I was like, guys, I think I went to space and everyone starts laughing. And then um, the owner of the, the whole retreat center, he goes, oh yeah, Maestra Justina had to come and get you because you were going too high. What? And how does she know? that they that's just like part of being a shaman like they have these special abilities to see your wow. soul going on and she goes she nudged me and said she's going way too high I have to go get her oh my goodness so I was so, like I knew it I knew it <laughs> have you have you heard of people who kind of die doing that because they just never come back right. or what so, see that's my fear it's like I don't want to like <laughs> like all these out-of-body experiences I'm like I'm 
know if I'm ready to like go and not come back. <laughs> right. So they do, they have mentioned that. And I guess it, it is a thing that you should be aware of, which is another reason why you need to do it with shamans who are experienced and understand the medicine. Cause you could die in the process. I don't, I don't think anyone has died, but I mean, I guess it's just not good. Like maybe you're not going to be all the way there. I don't know. And I don't want to scare mm. people because it's not very common. Um, mm. But that's why you just like surgery, right? There's always yeah. a risk. <laughs> There's always a risk. And that's, oh why you have, that's why you have shamans there to take care of you and make sure that the energy is protected. Like they put a, a force field around the space. You're not allowed to leave the circle, mm-hmm. um, like the protected space because you're vulnerable in that state. Right. Like Absolutely. You're in a different dimension and they, they got to make sure that everyone is safe. So mm. yeah, that was, that was wild. And if they hadn't have said that, if she hadn't said that she had to come get me, I would have questioned it too. I'd have been like, I probably would just see it stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I really, I don't doubt your experience. I would never, uh, it's your experience, but it, it, but I do have, I do wonder, you know, inside of the brain, how scientists will say that, you know, we will recall things that we have either seen or, you know, imagined, but, but yet you are also like with psychedelic people will see things they've never seen before or right. shapes or colors they've never seen before. So, right. so that contradicts the, you know, the recollection, unless you had a former, former life where you, you've seen and seen these things and then you can recall well, from that. But yes. but it's really not, there's no way to describe how expansive it feels and how liberating. And the thing that's most interesting is a lot of people come back and paint their experiences and find that they're painting the same thing that someone else had saw. Mm, interesting. So we're all seeing the same type of thing that we've never seen before, yet we all have like, oh, a perspective, oh yeah, like for example, the sacred geometry and kaleidoscopic mm-hmm. shapes and colors are very common. Yeah. And I saw those in both ayahuasca and on my mushroom journeys. And those were things that I didn't really have a reference to. Um, and also, but is it again, is it, is it your brain doing these same things? And because you're all doing the same thing, your brain does the same thing, which gives you the same experience. But, That's, that would be my question. But these are different brains. If it was the same brain recalling the same memories, maybe, but how can my brain and your brain and 10 other people's brain all connect in the same experience, even though it's the same medicine, just like ibuprofen does the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's chemical acting out. You know what I mean? You have a point. You have a point. Like that. But also that's like a very scientific and so is the plant medicine. It's, Mm -hmm. it's I do think there is a, I do, I don't understand it. I've read a little bit and I'm definitely, again, not an expert, but I do think that eventually science will be able to explain it in a scientific way, which doesn't make it not true. It's just that we will understand better to the point where we can really explain why it happens. So well, spirituality and science are very connected. When you look at quantum physics and quantum theories, we know that our brains filter out thousands of images every day so that Mm -hmm. we don't go crazy. And the plant medicine, it blocks that thing that is blocking our visuals Right. When we're on plant medicine, it's not necessarily that we're hallucinating things that aren't Mm -hmm. there. It's that we're seeing things that are that we could never see before. So I was seeing energy when I would open my eyes. I would see residual energy of my hands. I could Mm -hmm. see Mm -hmm. 
the energy of where people were, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was things that my brain would have been seeing if it, it didn't have this blocker that we the have filter. Yes. Yeah. No, it makes, it makes sense. This is probably the best way I've heard quantum physics. explained. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it's just fascinating. So, okay. So that was like the further figuratively and literally you went and then let's see like on on the last day what was your impression you know when when it was about time to leave and you you're reflecting and I'm sure you still up to this day reflecting continuously Mm -hmm. I imagine you took a lot of notes oh yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, so the thing about ayahuasca is it can take days, weeks, months, years to integrate the experience and the information received. Mm. So it is much more, I don't want to say powerful. It's a very different and unique experience than all the other plant medicines out there. And the fact of you don't say to your buddy, like, Hey, you want to do some ayahuasca this weekend? It is Mm. not that type of medicine. You go Mm -hmm. like you, you prepare a month in advance with your diet, with your practices. It's, a very, very sacred medicine that is very specific and you go to do the work because it's not always fun. In fact, a lot Mm -hmm. of the times it can be very painful when you're purging energy, you're purging emotions, you're purging um, trauma, whatever it is. So it's a very hard medicine to do, which is why I don't recommend it for anyone who's just like, oh yeah, I want to try it. Like you you shouldn't just want to try it. You should feel called to it. It should be popping up for you all these places. Um, Mm -hmm. medicine will call to you when it's ready and when you're ready. So Mm -hmm. when I left that retreat, I had done seven ceremonies and also other plant medicines during the retreat. And I was like plant medicine out. I was just like, I just need a break Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. integrate all this information. The biggest thing was a shift in perspective. I didn't feel so defined by my body anymore because as an actor it's it's very hard like having to keep up with a certain image am I skinny enough am I pretty enough am I this am I that and when I went to Peru I really had a separation where I realized oh I'm actually not my body my body is not my Mm -hmm. identity my body is just a shell and it's up to me to take care of it and it's up to me to make it healthy but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day I am not defined by it. Mm -hmm. So that was probably one of the biggest takeaways. And also the takeaaway that without our bodies, like we are huge, our souls are so expansive and amazing Mm -hmm. and all knowing. And we minimize ourselves to come to earth and have these experiences. Is that how you felt when you were like traveling in the cosmos? Like that it was just kind of your soul, your immense soul traveling? So on plant medicine, you just really have an understanding that you are amazing, that you are just mm. this uh, cosmic being of light, that you are nothing but love and, mm. and beauty and anything you want to be. It's just... Mm. We and so you kind of get an understanding that the reason we come to earth, this dense, heavy, uh, third dimensional plane, is to have all of the deep experiences that you can only have with the body, which mm. is not too far from Mormonism when we're talking right. here to have these experiences, except there's no consequence if you don't, you know, there's no consequence if you drink coffee, like it's fine, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's part of yeah. the experience. So, um, 
a shift in perspective. That's really all I can say about plant medicine is just there's no way to describe it until you experience it. And then you just something shifts and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I've never done it. But I mean, I've I've read extensively about experiences like that from in fact, from the time I was in like high school, I would read books like I don't know if you've ever heard of The Life of the Masters. No, I haven't. And now that I think of it, basically, um, I'll send you the reference and I'll put it in the notes. And I'm sure he was taking mushrooms or did something like that, had some plant medicine, because the way he describes with precision, like basically it's it's Buddha, Muhammad and Jesus having meetings all around the world, like in mountains, levitating and all these sorts of things. But the way he describes it, it's like he's there and he's seeing it. And it's, and it feels so real. Like I've read um, and listened to different people's experience. It's like, it all kind of sounds the same. And there is always this underlining universal truth coming up. And Mm -hmm. even as you're speaking, I feel like we all kind of have crumbs of all of these truths that are universal truths. And, but we have a hard time unlocking ourselves either because of our bodies, our limitation, you know, in our minds. And so we do need these plant medicines to really help us open up, you know, I mean, not everyone should or will do it, but that's the feeling I have deep down is that we already know a lot of these things. We're just not tapping into it and we need Mm -hmm. kind of a, conduit or a helper and religion tries to do it but still it's super limited some every so often I'm like okay I kind of want to explore now this other (laughs) this other realm because it it, because first of all I get bored with the mundane like I always am looking for something a little different and I'm curious I think now Mm -hmm. is actually a good time to share I did a mushroom journey Sunday I did some mushrooms and one of the messages that I got right away was now is the time for people to wake up and to see. And it was in reference to the medicine. It felt like the mushrooms were talking to me directly and saying, now is the time for people to experience this. And I remember experiencing and I was like, yeah, because I can't even describe it. It's an experience. Wow. There is no way to describe the feeling. There is no words, right? Words that we know. (laughs) I used to get so irritated with people and they're like, there's no words. I'm like, we'll string together some. Like there's gotta be. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But it's really not. There's no way to describe how expansive it feels and how liberating. And I found this really funny too. Um, One of the other things that I saw immediately was... I was like astral projecting above the planet, kind of just like in the stars. And I saw these beings and I only saw their hands. They were like massaging my skull, except Mm. I was, I didn't have a body. And they, they said to me, look, we get it. Earth is hard. Anytime Mm. you need to pop up here and we'll give you this soul massage. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. What mushrooms did you take? (laughs) Cool, but cool. what did you take? Like, or what do you like suggest or prefer? Or like, do you have suggestion? I'm not an yeah. expert. I just used chocolate and I've done it both ways. Um, I've had it where I eat the actual mushroom itself. And mm-hmm. then I've done it with just chocolate where it's infused and you just like take a slice. I think that when you do the actual mushroom, it's better because you know exactly how much you're getting. Oh um, yeah. You, you yeah. Weigh it, it's in grams. Um, how many so, grams would you suggest for a first timer? I think for a first time, two grams is a good amount. Okay. 
that's what I heard. So yeah. you're right mm-hmm. on. And then what kind of mushroom? Like, does it, I'm sure it matters what kind. Well, typically like the psilocybin mushroom is all the same strain. Okay. Like, okay. When you typically say like, I'm going to do mushrooms, it's all the same strain. Okay. And then like, there are other mushrooms that are super wild and crazy, but they're a little more dangerous. So they're not oh. common. Right. Okay. Yeah. So be, make sure you have uh, <laughs> the right strain too. <laughs> yeah. Well, just someone, I mean, you would know it's like the Mario Kart mushroom with the red, with the white tops. Like that's the one that is a little bit dangerous and you have to be more careful oh, with, but okay. like, you'll never just come across someone being like, have some mushrooms and, and yes. like, it won't look like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Good to know. So tell me, how different is like mushroom experience versus ayahuasca uh, experience? Uh, the first time I did mushrooms, I did have a higher dose and I didn't really know what to expect. It was very similar to my ayahuasca experience. I had a lot of the same backflipping into kaleidoscopic color experience. Um, I guess the dif- the main difference for me is that ayahuasca is a very solitary plant medicine. Like you're on your own journey. You don't interact with other people or you're not really supposed to, you're supposed to keep your energy to yourself and stay on your mat. And there's a lot of purging involved, uh, which a lot of people are afraid of, but honestly, sometimes the purge is like so good where you just like throw up not only, um, things that are stagnant in your body, but this like energetic purge, it's really wild. With mushrooms, when you get to the really high doses, you can throw up, but it's not common. It's not like expect to throw up. Mm-hmm. It's just you might. And with mm-hmm. mushrooms, you're you can interact with people. You can get up and dance, and and you're pretty much functional depending on how much you take. Um, and and also, do you remember everything when you wake up from the experience? Do you remember yeah. everything, or do you do you forget that you well, were okay. on a trip? Well, you don't at least for me, like, I don't think it's like alcohol, which I still have never tried. So I can't completely speak to that. Oh, wow. Like, wait, what? You've never, like I've never nothing? drank alcohol. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's so funny to me that you went straight to, straight to the. So I went straight stuff. to the jungle. Straight <laughs> yeah. to the jungle. I had never smoked weed. I had never even had a cup of coffee, which I still haven't drank coffee either. Um, but just by choice, I imagine just because yeah. you're not interested or yeah, that's um, funny. So mushroom is, it's very connected to the earth as well. Like I recommend to do it in nature or somewhere where you can go walk outside and then go back in the house for safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first time I did it was Joshua tree forest and the stars were just mind blowing. Like mm-hmm. they were breathing close to me. I did it at night. Um, I have done it during the day. This past Sunday was during the day. It was just myself in my house, which I wouldn't recommend after that trip. I'd be like, "Mm, when you're doing higher doses, you should be with somebody else. Um, But yeah, like the trees outside were talking to me. My plants were talking to me. I had more alien visitations and they were talking to me and saying, what's up? (laughs) So, but do you get like, do you get like messages that are useful or is it just pure fun at that point? Oh no. So that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. So I will never do a plant medicine just for fun. 
I'm mm. never going to go in. Like, I just want to get high. And I think that's where a lot of the abuse comes in. People mm-hmm. take it for the wrong reasons. They don't set intentions. They go to parties and just like wild out and the medicine is disrespected. And mm. when the medicine is disrespected, it's not going to give you a good time. Like oh, it's, wow. That's I when, love how you say that. I love how you say that. Yeah, there really is a spirit to the plant. Like there mm. is consciousness within everything. And it's wow. just because we can't hear the plants talking doesn't mean they aren't. Mm. So when you get on their energy field, when you um, take their medicine, Gosh, I just got chills. Yeah, (laughs) because it's so true. Like my mom could like just grow any plants because she was so respectful to them and like just like and and I there's no way like I can't even to this day like I do not have a great time. But the way that literally the plant will like take over our apartment like because she's so like talking to them and (laughs) yeah, there really is consciousness and all things and that's what you learn too and that's what becomes very apparent when you do plant medicine and you give it the proper respect. Meaning, you set intentions, you set aside a day, you clear your space. Maybe you have an altar, which was another trigger word for me for a while. It's nothing Mm -hmm. to do with religion. It's just about having sacred objects around you that are meaningful to you. Maybe it's crystals. Maybe it's a feather you found on the road, whatever it is that shows I am setting this aside to give respect to the plant, give respect to myself Mm -hmm. and um, doing some meditation. You go in with intentions. So I went in with very clear intentions of what is my purpose? What is the career path that is meant for me? What should I be doing right now? And I came out with very clear answers, like right in the beginning, they was like, boom, 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 this is what it is. And then I wow. went on a three hour journey where time was lost. I woke up and was like, well, it's been three hours. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And it almost feels like a rebirth. I opened my eyes and it looked like my place was heaven for a minute. It was so white. Mm-hmm. And plants. I have plants all over my apartment. Um, it just felt like I was in heaven. Like now I have this new perspective and this new purpose. And it's it, it can be very, very therapeutic when done respectfully in the right way. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I love it. It's um, yeah. I mean, I don't have a hard time believing that. Um so, okay, now I feel like I wanted to I wanted to bring up some other thing. Okay, so I will ask that question because I, I was very, very interested to find out once you step away from what was given to you, like with the religion and whatnot, then mm-hmm. you discover mm-hmm. how plants medicine really helps you evolve and, you know, get on the right path. How has that helped you kind of discover your, your womanhood? And you touched a little bit on it when you had that the you know ayahuasca experience and and you saw that you were whole that you were powerful and beautiful and because from you know the other podcasts like just the grandeur that's you and in you and how does that feed into you know your daily like and how can you how do you implement all that and how do you feel as a woman today so i think that spirituality and me discovering my womanhood is very intertwined because I've been working with energy workers who have really showed me the power of sexual energy and the power of the feminine energy, the goddess within us. Mm -hmm. And um, speaking candidly, I was Mm -hmm. a little too promiscuous in my 20s. 
Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, no judgment here. <laughs> once I learned that we, I mean, we, I knew this already, but like we're all made up of energy and we seem solid, but we're actually not. We're just energy moving very, very quickly. And so you as a woman, when you accept a man into you, literally your energy mixes and he leaves behind traces of himself. So there's a teacher that I was with who told me never have sex with anyone you don't want to become because you quite literally start to become that person. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want, I don't want anyone to like mix with my energy because I was just coming into myself. I was just discovering myself. I was taking back the power that I had lost through the abuse or just through being so promiscuous without even like giving a second thought. And now I, I've been single on purpose for like Mm -hmm. over a year. And I have, uh, which is for me, it's a little crazy. I've had sex in over a year. I'm like, what, who am I? Um, but but it's been so empowering because even when you go to do ayahuasca, they tell you, you can't have sex or even masturbate two weeks leading up to the retreat during the retreat and two weeks after, because they understand how powerful sexual energy is. Interesting. And there's, um, there's another actress who I'm friends with who books commercials like crazy. And one thing she told me is, yeah, the year that I was celibate, I booked the most that I had ever booked before because I kept all of my energy to myself. So just as much as we take on the energy of the person we're sleeping with, we also give away our energy. Yep. And so I've had such a great year, like even 2020, how wild and crazy it was, was still very lucrative for me. And I still Mm -hmm. made it through on top. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with owning myself as a woman, owning my Mm -hmm. sexuality, not giving it away to anyone who doesn't deserve it. And when I find the person who does deserve it, it's going to be amazing because not only yeah. will I have this reserve to fully give yeah. this person, but I will be ready to accept their energy as someone who really yeah. cares about me, who really wants to be with me and who wants to elevate me, not just use me just for fun. So yeah. it's interesting how much my perspective has shifted because I've definitely gone up and down with it. You know, as uh, a Mormon, oh my gosh, I was like the horniest Mormon, of course. Like we all were, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the frustration. And then, and then, yeah. And then once I left Mormonism, I'm like, I just got to have all the sex. And then I would get into yeah. relationships. And then it just was never very... Um, it stays on the surface. I think it's also one of those universal truths that if you're in tune, you will just know and find out that yeah. it's something so powerful and so sacred. And if you don't use it properly, you just lose. I also have um, either knowledge or feeling that it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You can always rebuild, reconstruct, re, you know, re-strengthen mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. If, if you've gone to that that past, I don't care. And I don't respect it. Just like you said, with the plan, like if you don't respect it, you, you're not going to get something good. I feel like it's the same with sexuality. If you kind of treat it yeah. lightly, then you get the light crap stuff, you know, but if you that, it as a sacred thing, you get the deep sacred mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> There's something that I want to point out too, because I was very resistant to the whole celibacy thing because mm. of how I grew up. I was like, yeah. no, I'm not going to be celibate just because someone says that I should be celibate. And here's the difference though. 
in Mormonism, you're told if you, they say the same thing, uh, sex is sacred and it should be beautiful. It should between, mm-hmm. be between a man and a wife who love each other. And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. That's dumb. Yeah, that's not, but, by the way, that's not the sacred I'm talking about. Exactly. It's so not, it's not saying, anything religious like that. <laughs> what I'm saying is they push it on you so hard and they force it on you to where when you do have sex, they shame you for it and they make mm-hmm. you feel unclean and they yep. feel like you're Horrible. going to hell for it which is not, not no the case. not at all so it took me a really long time to separate the two because now yeah. i know it's sacred because it's my energy it's sacred yep. because it's my goddess my feminine my uh like the the womb of the world if you will yeah and now i know that i want to keep it to myself because of that reason, not because someone's telling me I have to, and not because someone is saying that I'm going to be unclean if I don't. Absolutely. It it took a long time for me to make that full circle because I was so rebellious to the fact of celibacy. But now I see it in such a different way that I, I respect it. And that doesn't mean that sex can't be wild and crazy and like raunchy, (laughs) you can do whatever you want. It's like, you just see it in a different way. You see the purpose in a different light. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's just a ton of work that has been done. Also, you know, like if you go into the uh, the Eastern traditions and whatnot, I mean, they know so much about it, uh, yeah. as you probably know. Like we, we, there's just so much that we as a culture, society are discovering. And again, like you, it's to me, it's also another universal truth that all, has always been there, right? As, as long as we've been there as, as human, but then we we discover things so so slowly or we abuse things a lot and and we lose track of um the real um purpose of you know and i'm not talking like you know having kids and stuff like that i'm just 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 yeah like going into the depth of why do we have these things you know and again like that's why if i have a feeling that when you do these trips you know with the medicinal plants and whatnot they kind of bring you back to these universal can i tell you this (laughs) no i forgot i forgot about this um actually on sunday there was a good amount of time where it felt like i was making love to the universe oh wow that's sci-fi right it's so sci-fi like no aliens involved but it did. It felt almost orgasmic and I wasn't even like touching myself. I was just like laying there, but it felt like my soul was just in. When did that happen? Uh, when I was doing mushrooms on Sunday. Okay. All right. That's the kind of mushroom I want. <laughs> right. And that was the first time I had, like a, I guess you could say sexual experience, even though I was just laying there, but mm. it was just like, I was one with the universe and it was it was me and I was it and we were both one and it was just I can't even explain it I don't have words but you get what I'm saying yeah I I kind of I kind of know what you mean even though I haven't (laughs) been there done it but just because I'm I think the fact that I'm so intrigued and I've read so much and I've listened to a ton of people's experiences too and you you it's different you know everyone has their own but it's also very similar right so i will like, i will add this caveat this caveat caveat mm-hmm. is like since you have done so much research 
I would just do everything that I can to have no expectations. Yes. And so (laughs) (laughs) like that, I mean, I said that in my experience on the other podcast, like the first Mm -hmm. night I was like waiting and waiting and waiting and And I'm like, what the heck is going on? (laughs) But isn't it, isn't it hard now though? Like to just like shut down. I mean, cause you, I remember you saying it and I, I know, but it's one of those things and you actually make yourself not expect things. Right. And the only (laughs) advice I can give to aid in doing that is by being present. And how can you do Mm. that? By doing a meditation. Yeah. By not saying like, is it working yet? Is it working yet? Is it working yet? Because it won't get you there. So what if you take a nap? Like, is that, is that, you, you don't want to fall asleep though, right? Because otherwise you miss the whole um, thing or you might have weird dreams, but then you really don't know you asleep. I, I did. I did fall asleep during my first ayahuasca experience, but they definitely assured me that the purging was still happening. Like I did huh. wake up like really sweaty at one point, which is a way of purging. Um, so is it, then- is it good to sleep through it or you miss out? No, like whatever happens is what the medicine wants for you. Okay. So you just kind of have to accept whatever it gives you, which is why I say no expectations, because if you're expecting to see aliens and you don't, you might miss the whole purpose that you're supposed to be there for. Mm-hmm. So because your brain is just so ultra focused on something that it yeah. misses something else. Yeah. So it's important to go in with, with intentions, which are different from expectations. I in, I intend to get an answer to this question. I intend to feel universal love. I intend to release this trauma and then be open to where the medicine takes you. Maybe it'll give you what you're looking for and maybe you're not ready for the answer. Maybe you're not ready to let go. Maybe there's nothing to actually let go and you think that there is. And so just going where the medicine takes you is the best advice I could give is just being open to it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to ask a question that um, actually a friend of mine brought up when I asked him to listen and we kind of discussed the whole experience. Things that are really mind blowing, like I, I believe it was during your ayahuasca session, but you found or you were given the ability to to forgive, even have love for your abuser. Um, mm-hmm. And and that and I've heard in in different instances of you know abuse where you do liberate yourself uh, by forgiving. But yours was beyond where you were able to feel or see the pain that caused the action, mm-hmm. and that was just mind blowing. Because you understood that the whole point was extreme love and that we were all connected through love and that, I don't know how to say it, but at the end of the day, it's the beginning and the end of of all, uh, which brings me, and and that sometimes we hurt others because we are hurting ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, And so we hurt others and we have to be able to see beyond that but when you have been the person hurt it's it's really often very difficult to you know have that kind of super high perspective uh take you know a million steps back to to be able to so do you still feel that way did that stay with you or was it just at the moment or do you still struggle now with that situation mm-hmm. so yeah what was interesting is for those who just to like catch everyone up, I was dropped into the perspective of my abuser and I felt the pain that he was feeling because I had shut him out after I found everything out. 
And it really got to me. I mean, I was bawling my, my eyes out, um, feeling, experiencing the pain that he was feeling. And again, like, it's just a perspective thing when I realized, oh, wow, he's hurting too, which that doesn't excuse what he did. It doesn't automatically grant him forgiveness. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to be in his life. But what it meant for me was coming from a better place of understanding and compassion. And it helped me understand what he was going through too. And so it's been two years since that experience. I have gone through ups and downs still. I mean, there's, there were still times where I felt a lot of anger towards this person. Um, Things he would say to me would like trigger me and, and send me back into this spiral of like, you just are so clueless. Like you don't even know what I'm, (laughs) where I'm coming from. Um, but since then things have gotten a lot better and I have let go of a lot of the pain and the resentment that I felt towards him. And I feel like in a way I have forgiven him, but I still respect myself enough to keep boundaries So I, I do want to make that, I want to make it clear that forgiving someone doesn't mean allowing them back into your space. Forgiveness can mean letting go of it yourself and then setting boundaries because setting boundaries means you love yourself and the person, not just the person. So I have given myself boundaries and I have been doing really well with that. And I think a relationship with him is slowly coming back and it I don't think it'll ever be what it was, but it it's enough to where I feel okay about it. And mm. we're on enough of a talking terms to where I can feel like I have grown so much in these these past three years since finding everything out. And I think he's also done a lot of growing too. I mean, he tells me that he wants to go to the jungle and do ayahuasca so he can have the same type of type of experience and and release and healing that I had. So mm-hmm. I think baby steps, but yes, a lot of that from the experience has stayed with me and does inform some of my decisions when I do um, connect with him. That's That's really, truly amazing. Which also brings another question. The people that we see sometimes uh, as the people who've hurt us are also the people who've set us on this path that makes us the great person we are today. Just like thinking of the bishop who like, you know, broke you up with the first yeah. uh, you know, boyfriend. Like, can you see today yourself with that boyfriend? Like, you know, having kids and like, can you, can you imagine the alternate, the alternate life you would have had? And are you glad today that you didn't have that life, even though at the time, oh, man. Like everything. yeah, that the, man, I'm so glad that I did not go down that path. Um, and so do you have to thank the bishop, the bishop for that, who ah. at the time, this is a hard one. And I've thought about it many, many times because I'm not the I'm not the person that says everything happens for a reason. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm not is because that excuses a lot of really really scary and awful behavior from others yes. in this world. Yes. I will say that who we are is not an accident. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean every experience that we've had up until this point had to happen for us to become who we were. I think it could have happened in a multitude of different ways. Mm-hmm. I think I could still be the person I am, even if I wasn't abused as a child. 
I think the universe would have rearranged itself in a way that still made me who I am today and still given me the purpose that I have today. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think that that had to happen to me. And I, I wouldn't ever say thank you for doing that because it's of course. Your it was still hurt, hurtful. It's still, yeah, it's still very, very hurtful and painful. Um, but I will say after working with an energy worker, and again, this is like, take it or leave it, who knows if it's actually true, but it resonated with me. She said that there was a long line of abuse from like hundreds of years ago in this family, and it had been trickling down. And when I decided to come to earth, I said, I'm going to be the one that stops it. I'm going to be the one that breaks this pattern. And not only just the abuse, but also alcoholism because he Mm -hmm. had an alcohol problem. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one that says, I'm not even going to drink alcohol. That's how much I'm I see. It. So it's, it's related to this, the fact also that you don't drink. Yeah, I think so. And maybe, maybe consciously or subconsciously. Yeah. I think subconsciously because there's really never been a strong reason that I'm like, I'm never touching it. It's just mm-hmm. never happened. And I've never been interested in it. And it just, yep. I just don't, I just don't drink it. And so mm-hmm. I do think it's possible that, we as souls see these situations and insert ourselves on purpose (laughs) for a greater purpose. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's my opinion on it. And it also gives me strength in thinking, okay, if I came down here on purpose to be the one to end these horrible cycles, Mm -hmm. then maybe it just means that I'm super strong or my soul is like, like I'm going to go to the front lines and I'm going to end this suffering. It's going to end with me. No, maybe surely. I mean, maybe (laughs) surely I, yes, absolutely. And it goes back to what you said on that first, you know, ayahuasca session, like how she showed you the kind of warrior you were and everything else. I mean, it's, it, it just all comes together in a really amazing way. Really amazing. So that's what I'm trying to accomplish with the book that I'm writing, the book that Mother Ayahuasca told me I was going to write, which I didn't know at the time was supposed to be about my life. But now I know when I got confirmation again on Sunday, they were like, hey, remember we told you to write a book and you still haven't done it? (laughs) I I love it. And this this you go right into, you know, all the questions I was going to ask, but I I did want to go there. And so tell us more about the book and what you wish to share with the world in the book? So I never thought that I would write a book, first of all. And I never thought that if I did write a book, it would be about my life because I'm like, well, that's not interesting enough. And it was someone in the ayahuasca retreat that was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to read the book about your life. And I was like, what? Who said it was going to be about me? And he was like, who said it won't be about you? And I was like, well, who's going to read that? And he goes, listen, girl, (laughs) you grew up in Utah as a Mormon, which is already incredibly interesting, which is hard for us to relate because it's always been that way for us. And we're like, "Eh, it's just normal. But to most of the world, it's not very common. So you grew up Mormon, you moved to Las Vegas for school, you left the church after doing all of this digging, you moved to Los Angeles to become an actress, and I have crazy stories about LA. Mm -hmm. I bet. It's a crazy place. Yeah, (laughs) and eight years years later, you 
uncover this abuse as a child and land in Peru, never have drank, you've never drank alcohol, you've never smoked weed, and you're doing ayahuasca in the Amazon jungle. He goes, I think that's incredibly interesting. And I think it would help a lot of people. I can't not wait to read your book. I will promote (laughs) it. Um, So it's called... It's called the purple eye. And the reason for that title is because in the second ceremony, what finally helped me drop into the medicine was doing a chakra clearing meditation. And when I got to the third eye chakra, uh, I saw this purple eye just blink open at me and it was beautiful and so exotic looking. And I was like, whoa, never seen that before. But for those of you who don't know or are familiar with the chakras, the third eye is all about introspection. So the crown chakra is about receiving messages from other dimensions, other planes. And the third eye is about finding the answers within yourself. And that's really what led me down this whole path and took me on this journey was going inside myself, uncovering these memories, um, peeling back the layers of who I really am, getting rid of the the religion layers, getting rid of all the, um, the cultural things that I had just packaged on and finding out who I really was. So that's pretty much the book. It's going to be a teaching memoir. So I'm going to be telling stories about my life, but also including what I call chapter reflection sections, where I go back and in hindsight, see what I've learned, and then encourage the reader to use the the supplied space to journal out some of their own answers and their own introspective ideas. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I was just going to ask you, what do we we take away, you know, aside from the absolutely amazing story that is your life uh up to now i do like that you're going to include um space for people to do that to try and do that work for themselves because i think we all have some work to do that's just part of being human yeah and and i'm not i'm not going to be sharing anything like mind-blowing or groundbreaking i mean i'm not a psychologist but sometimes all it takes is just pen to paper and Mm -hmm. really becoming present with yourself and really being honest with yourself and listening to your intuition to bring out the answers that may even surprise you. And so it's, it's really just about taking the time for you when -hmm. you read the book and when you reflect on your own life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And I was also going to add that different people are touched by different voices. And that's why I'm always super excited when people like you and others come out with their story, because it's so unique. Everyone has their own. And if if there are these huge lessons that you've learned, go ahead and share it because there is someone out there or many people out there who need, who need to hear it. And only your voice will speak to them because we, none of us is going to hear about everyone and everybody's stories and whatnot, but we, we do have a certain amount of people that need to hear our stories because they will be able to progress on their journey because they've heard, you know, our stories. So um, I love it. I absolutely love it. You caught my attention. You responded like so super fast. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't even expecting that. I'm like, maybe, you know, so thank you so, so much. And hopefully we'll do this again. Like I want to have you on after I read the book. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to get the book going. I, I have a lot of it written actually. I just need to find the right publisher, but if anyone is interested in it, they can go to shalisansola.com to see what's the the progress at least. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Are you already, did you release some, some chapters for people to read or not yet or. 
Not yet. And I'm going to do that very soon, actually. Right now, what's on the website is just talking about the book. And there's some blog posts about certain ideas like spirituality versus religion or Mm -hmm. going deeper into why I call it the purple eye and different significance and Mm -hmm. just kind of like following along on my journey. Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I hope we'll meet in person at some point. Maybe we'll connect and, you know, have a tea or something. (laughs) Oh, no, there's not a tea. I'm down. (laughs) Yes, yes. Let's definitely do it. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun talking. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Face Transition Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes I've published in the past, please let me know. You can leave a review on iTunes. You can also reach me on Instagram or Facebook at the Face Transition Podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions, what you want to hear more of. Um, So please reach out. As I always say, life has great things in store when we don't give up. So enjoy the journey. This is Juliana. This is the Face Transition Podcast. I will see you next time.